We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 after dark show the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night welcome to the field of 68 after dark and boys i gotta say nights like tonight are why this show exists this is what college basketball fans live for the madness has been insane we're gonna get to every single game of the night we're gonna get to previews of the Elite Eight later this weekend. My name is Greg Waddell. I am joined by my shooter, Terrence Oglesby, and making his debut on the field of 68, my coach for the night, Georgia Tech's head coach, Josh Pastner. T.O., you got the mask on. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> I had to pay tribute. I had to pay tribute to the best face mask. This I couldn't actually find a real one, but uh, Coach Pastner, one of the best in the business. I'm excited to talk hoops, man, because I, I got a lot of respect for what Coach Pastner does with their offense and all that stuff. But there's a lot of great games tonight, too. So there's a lot to break down. I'm about to take this mask off here in about two minutes, but I had to, I had to show respect before we got started. The only thing you're – well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I, it's, a, it's an honor to be with everybody and – this has been great. I, of course, I followed you guys for this entire year. I mean, for all the different coaches you've had on and everybody's on. And I'm really glad Goodman's not on. I mean, because he really <laughs> – I, I, if you asked me and that Goodman was going to be on, I'm not doing it. So once I knew Goodman wasn't going to be on, I was all in. So uh, – uh, but I really appreciate it. And uh, the only thing Terrence is missing is the sideburns. That's I can't grow those. You know. I can't grow those. So, so that, that, that go ahead and throw me off a cliff there. I can't grow the sideburns. I don't have that ability, but uh, good on you. I, if I could, I would, but it's just, it's not happening. <laughs> While we're talking different levels of facial hair, I got to be completely honest, gentlemen, about an hour and a half ago, I seriously contemplated shaving the sides, going full mustache in honor go. of Doug Eddard for this show. I think if they make the final four, when we go down to NOLA, I may be needing to make a little movement happen within the field of 68. But guys, St. Peter's, the run continues. Shaheen Holloway is a magician. These guys play so hard, so relentless. And T.O., we were saying, you were saying before we jumped on this call, they took Purdue entirely out of what Purdue normally does well. They used it against them to get the victory tonight. Tio, what did you see from that game? 
I saw the first thing I was concerned about whenever I was watching Purdue go up against the St. Peter's team was how in the world St. Peter's going to be able to guard Zach Eady and how in the world they're going to be able to guard uh, Travion Williams. Well, they flipped it on his head. A lot of their actions that they used offensively, uh, they took advantage of their speed with Purdue's inability to guard out on the perimeter with the four and the five position at times. And St. Peter's just finds a way to get shots. And another huge thing, guys, they don't turn the ball over. And whenever you have three and four guards at a time that you can really depend on, that matters. And St. Peter's, you got to give them credit. It's not a mistake, guys. It's not a mistake. That's a top 30 defense, according to Kim Pop. It's not a mistake. When you have guys hitting shots and winning every 50-50 ball, that really matters. I, I, Coach, I mean, you've had some good guards in your time. I mean, how, how nice is it to be able to rely on guys like that at the end of games? Well, first of all, you're exactly right. I mean, it's been an incredible story on, on St. Peter's and what they've done and, and, and Coach Holloway. And, and, and they've beaten three really good teams. And two teams, you know, in Kentucky, who a lot of people were saying was a real possibility of winning the national championship. And let's not forget, earlier in the year, everyone, including myself, was saying Purdue was the best team in all of college basketball earlier in the year. So, and Murray State obviously had a great year, but the two of the three they beat were just, you know, I mean, potential national champion, you know, can, you know, title winners. And so you got to give them credit. Uh, they've got, they've got toughness and, and you know what, and as much as they're Terrence as they are good uh, defensively, I think they run really good stuff offensively they do. Mm -hmm. and they pull you away from the basket. They're hitting big shots because as much as they guard, um, you know, they still put the ball in the basket and they find a way to, to, to score. And so, you know, it, it's really amazing in, in, in an NC2A tournament situation where it's, you know, your season can abruptly end on a, on a just a tough night. What St. Peter's is doing is, is really incredible. And they'll give North Carolina a run for their money. I mean, that's not going to be an easy out. You think this is just going to be easy. It's not. And so, and as you guys know, as it gets longer in the game and closer to the end and that score is tight the the the, the fans and the are so the momentum shifts to st peter's and the tightness and the pressure goes on the on on the team that's favored and that's what's the incredible dynamic of what you're seeing you know live in action as things are going throughout this throughout this tournament yeah, let's dive into that pressure a little bit more because I thought from watching on my couch at home tonight that you could sense a little, just in the body language alone from guys like Jaden Ivey and some other guys on the Purdue team where they tightened up. Like some of their shooters, they got a ton of shooters. Stefanovic, uh, all the shooters that come off the bench for that team, like you could tell they almost just weren't as comfortable. They weren't shooting with the sniper mentality that I'm so used to seeing from these Purdue teams for the last however long Matt Painter's been at Purdue. Tio, what's it like? Like, can you, as a shooter, especially for you, do you feel like the life gets sucked out of an arena in a game you're supposed to win when all of a sudden you're on the ropes? I think whenever Jaden Ivey's frustrated, I think a lot of it has to do with he feels like, hey, I'm this much better than these guys and I just can't seem to get it going. And Purdue had a hard time getting open looks, like comfortable open looks, because it seemed like every time Travion Williams got the ball, four bodies were close. Because they not only is that speed effective on offense, but their ability to recover defensively out to shooters, I mean, that quickness helps, guys. And I've said this a, a lot of times before, Coach. I, I coached at the Division II level. The difference between high major and low major, and even high major in Division II, 
I mean, you're looking at about four inches in height, about 35, 40 pounds. There's still a lot of guys that can play. And whenever you get a lot of guys that can play that are really fast and have that kind of bravado that Shaheen basically puts into his players, right? Because they all try to do what he does. Like it's, it, they couldn't get open looks. Frustration sets in. St. Peter's plays physical. They are small, but they play physical. A guy that I thought played really well, uh, Clarence Rupert started out shooting the ball well, but he battled his butt off all night long. It's a bunch of tough, hard-nosed kids there at St. Peter's. Well, and, and, and the other thing, and you make, and you, and you're right about the, the, the size, the, the, the height thing, you know, when you, from different levels, but as you know, Terrence, I mean, when you're, especially in college basketball, because, you know, take the NBA out of it for a second. If you just look at college basketball, you can win with undersized front court guys. If they have a, like a motor, a competitive edge, they're, they're that fight, that scrap mentality and, and, because because of the help side rules defensively, um, you know, there's no defensive three seconds, so you can load to the ball. I tell mm-hmm. people all the time, even though the shooting has become so good in college, you're still not – There's you know, in the NBA, there's never not a guy on the floor that's not a shooter. And if he is, he's, a, you know, he's an NBA all-star, and he, so he, there's another something else he can do. In college, you might have two guys on the floor at times that are, just, that are not great shooters, and so you can really load to the ball and help. Mm-hmm. And so, if you are undersized, um, you know you can still be really good defensively. And 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 here's the other thing: two two last things on that on the on that on that Purdue with the Purdue game. One is um, you know, and Purdue has two good post players, mm-hmm. but not a lot of teams have those type of post players where you can say, "Go get me the ball." And, you know, and go score. And I thought, you actually thought last night with Gonzaga, Drew Timmy, they didn't double him, Arkansas. They let him score a one-on-one and they, and they took the three-point shot out. And, and Gonzaga was never, even though Timmy had a big game stat-wise, they were never able to get rhythm. But I think the big thing in the Purdue-St. Peter's game that cost Purdue the game was the start of the second half. They went, what, five, six, seven minutes without scoring. And that, they were up four going into in the half into the second half if Purdue comes out and punches them and makes it like a 6-0 run or something it might have just cost St. you know St. Peter's may say this has been a good run but mm-hmm. they allowed St. Peter's to hang around they didn't score for about six minutes five six minutes so they got their they missed like their first eight or nine shots in, in the second half and that allowed St. Peter's to get their confidence going and hang around get the lead and then mm-hmm. it became a back and forth game and it's usually the opposite too. like coming from a big 10 fan who all year has been skeptical of what Purdue could do in the tournament because of their defense. Like I figured they let a team hang around because they just keep giving up bucket after bucket. Kind of, they let Chris Beard's Texas team sort of just chip and chip and chip back into that game. Not the case tonight. Like St. Peter's did enough offensively, but it's not like St. Peter's was coming down and running and gunning and getting wide open looks every time. St. Peter's really made it tough for the best offensive team in the country in a way I don't think anybody really expected. I have to ask this and I I don't even, I'm sick of my stomach that I'm even asking it, but the big 10 fans are going to want me to, what does this mean for Matt Painter? Okay. This is his most talented team that he's ever had. They caught some breaks in this tournament, catching a 15 seed in the sweet 16, a guy who has not made a final four at Purdue Obviously, tournament runs are a very, very subjective thing to evaluate how good a coach really is. But, Josh, what do you, what do you make of this? Is it fair to evaluate him negatively because of results like this? Well, look, I mean, I, I think 
Coach Painter is one of the best in the business. He and 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 um, I mean, he's as good as there is in the entire country. And you look at the success that his program has had for so long, just constant, constant success. And you guys know, get the tournament is, I mean, yes, you have to be, first of all, you have to be really good to get there over the longevity of the season. But then once you get there, uh, there's a lot of breaks that have to go your way. And sometimes yeah. it just, and, and for example, for Coach Painter to get to the final four, because he's made multiple Sweet 16s, there's been a couple breaks that just have not gone their way. You look at the Virginia game a few years ago, Virginia probably should not have won the national championship. Purdue should have won that game. If you remember that, I mean, off that free throw box out, the ball got kicked out and the one kid hit the shot. And so, um, you know, they've just had some things that have not gone their way and the same thing tonight, some things did not go their way. Look, I get it. we're, We're all in this, and all the, the, the marketing and the commercials and the ads, it doesn't say road to the conference championship. It says road to the final four. And, and that's where the focus is. And, for, and, and, and so when you get to multiple tournaments, people then expect you to get to the final four eventually. When you don't go to the tournament, you know, for, then they expect you at least to get to the tournament. I mean, it's just, that's just a cycle that we're in. I think Coach Painter is one of the best in the entire country. He's the most, one of the most consistent coaches. Their teams are so well coached. I thought they were the best team in America earlier in the year. I just think it's so hard to advance and to win and to get to the final four. I mean, I mean, Gonzaga is a prime example. I mean, how good have they been over this stretch one, but they haven't won a national championship. It's just so hard to do as great as coach K is. I mean, he's has five of them and which is amazing, but he's only five. If you think about only five and, you know, and, and when you say only five, I mean, that's an incredible amount. It's just very, very hard to do. And I think that's where that, – and, and you know what? But that's what makes college basketball, and that's what makes sports great, is the fans wanting more and more. And that's why – that's what makes the, 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 the excitement of it all as well. I love paint. I, I just want to say that first and foremost. I think, like, an offensive genius, sure. But when he – like I, I can understand also some apprehension from a fan's perspective and, and Josh, I'm just going to say it because like, I, I'm not a coach anymore. So I feel like I can be a little bit more off the cuff. I could see why people were disappointed. This team had all the tools. They had shooting on the perimeter. They had an elite athlete in Jaden Ivy. They had big guys that nobody could hang with, but it just seemed like it just didn't come together for some reason this year. And this team, even though they had mega size, they were, they had some defensive liabilities and you saw those tonight, like that big size. It, we've moved a lot to small ball these days. Like the Big Ten's kind of a, it's it's in a it's in by itself because a lot of other conferences play a different way. The aircraft carrier belongs to the Big Ten, so that makes it different. But uh, is it conducive to to winning in the NCAA tournament? Having that one big guy, a lot of people are taking advantage of that. It's just defensively, this team had a, a lot of issues. And moving forward, I mean, this is the worst defense he's had since 2015, according to Kim Palm. And with these kind of athletes that he'd had all over the floor, you would expect them to be a little bit better. Is this a disappointment? I would say it's close because coming into the season, I think everybody thought final four. I think everybody thought for sure elite eight Uh, defensively, they just couldn't get it together and you couldn't get full buy-in from Jaden Ivey on that end of the floor for some reason. Yeah. And I think from the fans perspective, they tell you zero banners hung this year, no conference, regular season title, no conference tournament title, Decent number of breaks in the tournament with who you play doesn't shake out. I'm honestly surprised this team was incredibly fun to watch. 
Uh, but as you said, Josh, that's what makes college basketball both a cutthroat thing and a beautiful thing. Because hey, coach, I just want you to know too. I just want you to know too. Greg's a huge Michigan guy. Oh, so gosh. I do. I, it, so it's important that we point this out. He's a huge Michigan guy. Hey, we weren't well, gonna we weren't gonna say that, T.O. Okay, I'm still in mourning. Okay, I'm putting a happy face on, but here we are. Well, and, and, and even for like a team like Michigan, I mean, look, I mean, they they you know, of course, they had this stuff earlier in the later part of the regular season, but they were, you know, I'm sure, Greg, you know, you're sitting there going to selection Sunday. Are they even going to be in because they lose to Indiana and and then they get in and they were down to Colorado State. They beat Colorado State and. You guys know Tennessee, everyone going in, including myself, I thought they were underseeded. I mean, they should have been a higher seed, and all of a sudden they played Michigan, they lose. And, you know, and Michigan played well for the most part yesterday, and they missed some free throws, obviously. But, again, that's what you just don't know how things are going to be moving in the tournament, and that's really what makes – because you're dealing with 18- to 23-year-olds, you just yeah. – in a one-game scenario, that it just makes it so darn hard. To, 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 to even get to the tournament and then even to win and keep advancing. Yep. It's the beauty of March, and that's what makes this St. Peter's run, frankly, so special. And one of the key cogs in this special run for St. Peter's is Mr. Doug Eddard, the mustachioed magician. And our own Rob Doster got a chance to talk with him right after St. Peter's incredible win against Purdue. Check it out. Bob Dawson here with the Field of 68 After Dark and Doug Eddard, uh, fresh off of becoming the first 15 seed to make it to the, uh, to the Elite Eight, man. How are you feeling right now? Uh, I feel amazing. This, this just has been a, a journey. Uh, it's just so, so amazing, unreal. I mean, the feelings are great for all of us as a program, uh, the student life for the whole school, really. It's just, it's just truly amazing. So I want to ask you about the most important moment of that game. You jumped up on the scorer's table after you guys won. Take me through that moment. Take me through what you saw. Break it down for me. Give me the X's and O's of jumping on the scorer's table. I, I got caught up. I got caught up in the emotion of just pure excitement. Uh, I started to lose, what, not thinking about what I'm doing. And I saw people start clearing the the, ta the computers and stuff, the important stuff. And I'm, and they're giving me like the, they're looking at me, they gave me the look. So I'm like, oh, I got it. And I got up and then. Uh, hopefully, I, I really hope I didn't break anything, but we're, we're all good. <laughs> all good man. Um, I, I'm curious, do you guys play with a level of confidence that doesn't you don't typically see out of a 15 seed? Where does that come from? That comes from uh, practicing every day. We, we practice hard. We practice really hard to make the games really easy. And uh, we know we can hang with anybody. As long as we defend and play as hard as we can, we're, we're able to accomplish anything. What is, it, what is the... You've gotten quite a bit of attention, right? You got the, the Buffalo Wild Wing deal. All I don't care about specifics. I'm just, what is that level of attention been like? You guys were kind of anonymous, and all of a sudden you're thrust into the spotlight. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to get the attention, but again, uh, 
we don't feel any pressure when we're playing. Like the game kind of take, takes care of itself. When we're on the court, we feel no, no kind of pressure, no matter who's watching, however many people are watching. We're, we're fine with that. We're just going to go out there and play our game regardless of what's happening. And you're not done yet, right? Not done yet at all. Listen, congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you for the time. Thank you. I See appreciate you on it. Uh, Sunday. Man, I can watch that kid for as long as he will allow me to continue watching him. He's the face of March right now. Hopefully we'll see him in person in a week in New Orleans, maybe. Although there's a team who's going to stand in his way, who we're going to talk about next, the North Carolina Tar Heels, who had a huge win tonight against UCLA. That's coming up next on the Field of 68 After Dark. Clear for 90. All right, Dagan, how's the chat looking right now? Yes. Is it popping for yes, us? Yes, it is. And a lot of talk in the chat. This is going to be my first question to you guys. As you said earlier here, we have two ACC guys on us, on with us tonight. So I just want to get everybody's thoughts on the ACC, who everybody thought was coming into the – you know, at one point on this – I will say on this network, there was a talk of one-bit ACC. And now look at where we are. So that's my question to you guys. Thoughts on the ACC throughout the, uh, the tournament so far? Go ahead, Josh. I'm going to let you take that one. I feel like I've, ba I've done my battle on this one, so I'm going to let you do it. One do minute. It right, do it, we'll do it when we get back or do it now? Go right ahead, now. right now. Right now. <laughs> um, I mean, no, I've been saying it. I, 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 You know, the issue is that people think that Duke and Carolina are in top five in the AP poll, then the league's down. And, yes, maybe we don't have the top tier. Like a couple years ago, we had three number ones. I get that, three number one seeds. but the, the, the parity from 1 to 15 has changed more so than ever. 30 seconds. And the league lost a lot of guys on the transfer portal into the pros again last year. And so – but I, I was telling them, I mean, the league's good. The problem is 20. we can do good in November. I mean, as overall as a league. And, and, and it, we don't get credit for trying to get better as the league went – as the season went on. 10. ACC relied on transfers and freshmen more than other leagues too. I yeah. think that's a Five. Big Two, one. Welcome back to the field of 68 after dark. Greg Waddell, Terrence Oglesby, Georgia Tech head coach Josh Pastner. As you can see, two ACC guys with me, which is one less than the number of teams the ACC is going to have in the Elite Eight. Look, this very show, did a whole lot of talk about one-bit ACC. T.O. is nodding his head because he was fighting the good fight all season long. And here we are with a very real chance that the ACC is going to get multiple teams to the Final Four in New Orleans. One of those teams, the Tar Heels, knocked off the UCLA Bruins tonight in an explosive game. 71-66, but... I think that final score hides the fact that there were five-minute stretches of this game where these two teams were trading buckets every single trip down the floor. Uh, Josh, I got to go to you first on this one because in prep for this show, I was digging up some, some research to see if you'd been asked about any of these ACC teams midseason. And I want to take you back to January 17th of this year. And I'm going to read a quote that you said real quick. You could probably recite it for me at this point because you know what I'm about to say. But this is Josh Pastner in January. 
anyone not having North Carolina top 10 in the country, you're missing something there. They could go to the final four. Duke and North Carolina could win the national title. And you were told you were crazy at the time, Mr. Pastner. Now would be the time for me to hand you the torch and you can take your victory lap, my friend. Well, you know, one is a lot of people were, and I'm, I want to appreciate you pulling that quote out to, to show that I, you know, <laughs> I wasn't as crazy as people thought I was. You know, I know I wore the face shield and everything else at times, but, um, you know, I, I, I still think I know what I'm talking about here and there. But um, look, you know, and, and, and I've said this many times to, to many people, people look at the ACC and, and Terrence knows this better than I do. I mean, he was been in the league before I was here. And so he understands this, like I said, better than I do. One is if Carolina and Duke are not in like the top five of the AP poll or the coaches poll every year and, and all through, then all, all of a sudden the narrative is that the league is down. And, 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 and I just, I think that is such a 1990s, early 2000, you know, mentality and, and people's got to, the narrative's got to get past that. The league has changed. It's 15 teams. There's, there's so many good coaches in this league and there's so much parity in this league. And, and, and obviously the way the amount of pros that the ACC loses every year transfers freshmen it, and so our league might be a league that gets better as the year goes on and when we played we played both obviously we played carolina and duke but when we played carolina and when i got done playing them we were, i was like and i thought we played well against them at north at the dean dome and we played well both times even at our spot we played well and they crushed us both times and 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 i let me tell you this i know when we've played bad and a team beats us but there's sometimes when you just play well and the other team's like, man, this team is really good. And, and it, I understand it was, it was people were getting on me because after the second time we played Carolina, they smashed us. And like I said, we were, we played well, they were just incredible. But the next two games they played at Miami and at Wake Forest and they lost by 30 in both games. So people are thinking, who is this team? And I couldn't understand it either, but I figured when you played a man, that starting five was so good. And like their guards are so good. And you could easily have made a case that Baycott could have been player of the year. And Manic, you know, like that guy isn't a six, six shooter. He's six ten, and he gets it off so quick. Like, like he gets it. He's such a threat out there. And then they, people talk about leaky black that he's, you know, he's not an offensive threat, but he's such a great defender. They've just, and of course they got great guards. So I just thought their starting fives as good as any starting five in the country. And then, you know, Duke people were, were really railing on Duke. And I understand that because they were a little up and down. And then of course they didn't play well late. They lost to North Carolina at coach K's final game and they didn't win. They lost to Virginia tech. And there's a real possibility that if Virginia tech lost and um, Texas A&M won, there would have been a possibility that Notre Dame would not have gotten the tournament and that only three ACC teams would have gotten in there. That's a real thing that could have happened before this season start before the selection Sunday. And that's because of the narrative of like the ACC was down and it's not down. And we're going to have three teams in the elite eight with when all three capable of going to the final four. I mean, it's really amazing. And that's my, my point of the ACC 
year in and year out is the best basketball league in the country. There's 15 really good teams in this league. And what you do in the tournament really represents how good your league is and the ACC showcasing it. Well, I just want to point out, too, that Jeff Goodman just tweeted out that the ACC has three of the eight teams left in the best conference in America, and whoever said otherwise is a moron. And I'm just, I'm just saying old, old Jeffrey's taking it on the chin. Old Jeffrey's taking it on the chin. Here's the thing, too, and Larinaga made this point, Josh, and I thought it was a great one. It's, it's kind of alluding to what you say. It's, you know, the ACC relied a lot on transfers. It's a league that relies a lot on freshmen. And, you know, if you look at the Big Ten, there's not a ton of outside of Michigan. There's not a ton of top 20 kids going to the Big Ten, but they're sticking around and you're coaching them. So you're going to be really good through that November, December period that you alluded to. And there's a lot of people that say, well, as long as you're good for conference play. Well, that's not necessarily the case, especially when it comes to power six uh, conferences. And I throw the Big East into the power six because they deserve it because it was a great conference this year. But neither here nor there. I've turned into a Big East guy, but we're talking ACC. So I'm going to stay with that. But it's the ACC, because you need that time to get your guys in the right spot, your reputation, like you said, is damaged in, no, in, in November and December. And that's when your conference earns what it's going to get later in the year. So those power six conferences, that's when you have to play well from the beginning in order to up your tournament seeds towards the end of the season. And it's not necessarily fair because of what you're saying and having to rely on a lot of new guys. Well, and, and, and to that point, I have made this point. So, so because of what you're saying, because I keep saying, how do we, th there's no way the ACC this year, we got, we have, you know, what, five teams in the tournament. Um, uh, and Wake Forest is 13 and seven. And if you're 13 and seven in the ACC, you should automatically be a lock, not, and they yeah. didn't even get in. And, and no disrespect to San Francisco, because Todd Golden, the job that he did there in San Francisco was incredible. But San Francisco had seven losses in the WCC. I would put the ACC against the, AC, the WCC any day of the week. And so what I'm saying is, if you have seven losses in the WCC and you get in, and you have seven losses in the, in the, in the ACC and you don't get in, there's a problem. And it's not against the WCC. It's the problem is, how does the ACC fix that? because that needs to be fixed. And so my solution, and, I, and I've said this, I've been beating this to anybody who's been listening to me, I've been beating on the, on, the, on the chairs and the tables and telling everyone, the commissioner and other coaches, I think we've got to, and I don't know it's going to be able to be happening because of the, the TV stuff, but like we should move the ACC Big Ten Challenge later, like the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Yeah. It needs to happen later. Playing it earlier is not helping us. We're better. We're a league that's better later. Should we play less non-conference games and play more conference games? Like I know everyone says, well, you're playing 20 already. I keep yeah. saying, well, why don't we play more and take less chances of non-conference teams to be played? Because if you take losses and in this day and age, everybody's good. There is mm -hmm. no much. The separation between team 180 to compare to team 20, 20, 80, to, or 28, 180 to 28, there's not that much separation. Everyone's good now these days. So the more you play in non-conference, and if you do take some L's, it, it hurts the narrative and it hurts your opportunity to get more teams in league. So I'm saying take the gray area out of it. Play 28 league games in the ACC. Everybody play home and home. That's 28 <laughs> league games. You play the ACC Big Ten Challenges 29, and you still got a two-game MTE. 
I don't know if any coaches, they think I'm crazy when I say that, but I'm telling you that right now, 20 league games has not got us the most teams in the tournament. We had more teams in the tournament when we were at 18 league games. We're not going backwards. So if we're not getting more in at 20, then do we need it? If we're not going backwards, should we be adding more to give us more of a chance to get us more teams in the tournament? Because 20 is obviously not getting us enough in the, in the tournament when, when considering our league, what I believe hands down is the best college basketball league in all of college basketball. So I, I think specific to North Carolina to sort of twist this, I think what, what hurt the perception of them and maybe also contributed to the negative perception of the league as a whole was the fact that in their non-conference, they really had four marquee attempts at wins. And it was Purdue, it was Tennessee, it was Kentucky, all three of whom looking back on it now, I mean, those, those are three teams full of killers. You can't really blame them for competitive losses to Purdue and Tennessee. And then Kentucky was a blowout, but again, Kentucky blew a lot of teams out this year. North Carolina's one big win was my Michigan Wolverines. And for halfway through the season, that win meant nothing to people. So, you know, I, I think there was a little bit of unfair, harsh judgment throughout the, the entire season to this conference and to North Carolina specifically. But at this point though, let me ask you guys this, is there a backcourt in this tournament that you would take over North Carolina's backcourt right now of teams that are remaining? I mean, Caleb Love and RJ Davis are out of their minds. One of them just goes nuclear every single game right now. T.O., what do you think? Uh, no. Better than those two guys right now? I don't think so. RJ Davis's emergence has correlated directly with how well Carolina has been playing over the last month. And I think a lot of it, like Caleb Love has his games where he, he, he was explosive tonight. He can score in bunches, but he's not the guy out of those two guards that's going to make his teammates better. I think one of the big reasons Carolina and Brady Manick in particular have been much better is because the ball's been in R.J. Davis's hands a lot more, right? And he's coming off ball screens and he's pushing the pace. He's not this big, strong, physical point guard that Ty Lawson was once upon a time, but I'm convinced that he's every bit as quick. Because sometimes he gets into the paint and it's so fast and he's able to spray out to all those shooters. Those guys are just playing so well. And Armando Baycott's just going to Armando Baycott. Like that guy's a beast. But there's no two guards right now left among these eight teams that are as good or playing as well. Uh, maybe St. Peter's. Maybe St. Peter's. I would throw them in the mix because they are playing unbelievable basketball. But are, as far as a single two that you could throw out, I, I would doubt it. And, 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 Terrence, you're right. And how many times have, you know, you guys know this, everybody knows this. When you talk about having a chance to go deep in the tournament and, or win a national championship, it's all about guard play. Having yeah. great, it, it, what guards are playing the best. And, and as you mentioned, Terrence, you know, the, 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 as of right now, and St. Peter's guards are playing as well as anybody, but North Carolina's guards are as good as anybody. And let me tell you why, why Duke's in the Elite Eight. It's because of Jeremy Roach's play of the last two yeah. games. I mean, he he the what he did at the last five six minutes against Michigan State, and then how he played against our, uh, um, uh, Texas Tech. That um, I mean, it's because of the guard play. They've they've advanced because of the guard play. I mean, I mean, so so much of it's the guard play. And and why is Miami in the Elite Eight? Look guard at their play. guard play. I mean, Jeez. it's their guard play, and so. That's one thing about the ACC that, and, and, and you guys know this, is for historically, and, and again, it shows this year is where the teams have advanced. 
the guards and the wings in the ACC have always been literally pros. You know, yeah. maybe they don't all get drafted, but they're darn near pros or they're, they're, that's the first look that you look at is, is that league for guards and wings as in terms of NBA caliber talent. And, and they're as good as anyone right now, the guards out of those, the way those three teams are playing from the ACC and especially North Carolina in that backcourt. If Love and Davis continue to score the ball like they're scoring and those two are playing off each other like they're playing, they're really hard to beat. And, and, and as you mentioned, Baycott in the middle, but when you have Manic as a spacer like that, it just opens so much of the floor because how do you, you have to guard Manic? Like you, you're literally playing four on four. And that opens more space for guys like Love and Davis because there's more opportunities to penetrate, to get in the paint, more opportunities for Baycott because whoever's guarding Manic, you can't help. You've got to literally stay connected to them. So the court opens up even more because it's four on four. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it sets us up in a spot now where I can't believe I'm saying this, but Duke and North Carolina are going to be the favorites with one game left before they could potentially meet in the final four of Coach K's final season. Uh, I, for one, no offense to St. Peter's, no offense to Arkansas. I'm rooting for that. I think that would be the craziest scenario possible as a fan who's going to be on site in New Orleans. Uh, we will see how it plays out. And while we talk about guard play, there's another team who has had an emerging star guard take over in this NCAA tournament who got a win tonight. We'll talk about the Kansas Jayhawks next on Sirius XM Channel 84. Clear for 90. Hey, Josh, what were, what were your thoughts whenever they decided to take shooters in at the four? Because my first thought whenever Carolina decided to do that, I was like, boy, I don't know. Because you're taking what Carolina has done well for 100 years, damn near, in offensive rebounding, and you're trying to cover up a weakness by getting rid of your strength. I got a little nervous, but I guess it doesn't matter if Brady Mannix shoots 40%. Well, 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 and they're still rebounding through Baycott because he's such yeah. a monster on the glass, but, but it's the trade-off to, it's, you know, you're, you're, it's, you know, you're One getting minute. an offensive rebound for a two point shot. Whereas yeah. a three point shot, you know, I mean, it's just, it's more of the trade-off. It's, it's just the way the game has evolved. I, you know, I, I, I'd really like this. I've thought about this. Can you win in this day and age with two post players anymore, two traditional post guys and, Tough. And just and shove it down someone's throat and and not and not live and die by the three, and and can you know can you play like that? And then those two guys happen to guard, you know, on the perimeter. You Thirty know, seconds. I don't know. Can you win like that anymore? I don't know. That's hard, especially in in, in our league. Yeah, like, I just don't see that. Like it's so tough because of the guys you're having to guard. Maybe in the big twenty. 10, yeah, in a sub in a subpar Big Ten, you could uh -oh. get it done. Oh. Pish posh. Look, I'm here to. <laughs> I deserve it. Okay. I talked a Ten lot of seconds here. I was blinded by all the post players. I was blinded by the quote unquote Five. Americans. No, no longer, T.O. Two, one. <laughs> it's the field of 68 after dark. We are live on Sirius XM channel 84. We are also streaming on the Field of 68 Twitter and our YouTube channel. If you are watching this, please jump over to the YouTube channel, like and subscribe. Every single bit of support helps. And you can ask us some questions in the YouTube channel chat. We'll be sticking around for the afters portion of the show and every commercial break. We will also answer a few questions as well. My name is Greg Waddell. With me, Terrence Oglesby and Georgia Tech head coach Josh Passner. Gentlemen. 
Kansas got a big win tonight. Providence, the quote unquote luckiest team in America. Well, the luck finally ran out. If you can even call it luck, a cold shooting first half for the Friars. Look, they did the Providence thing. I tweeted out shortly after half. Providence is about to Providence. They went on their run. They always make the run. They tied the game. But Kansas did what elite teams do. They responded. When the game was tied after controlling it in the early portion of the game, they immediately went on a 7-0 run. They took command right back, and they kind of coasted from there. It never really got dicey again. Let me ask you this, and T.O. will go to you first on this one. Is Kansas the clear national championship favorite at this point in the tournament? Oh, man, I think they're the betting favorite. I know we're sponsored by Bet Rivers. I'm not sure if that's the answer or not, but it- – I will say this, if Remy Martin plays like Remy Martin played tonight, like they are so tough because he brings that X factor, that spurtability that Kansas has kind of lacked this year in big 12 play. Like whenever they have an off day and most of their guys had an off day today, Ochai Abazi, who's a first team all American. I think that's pretty easily said, like struggle tonight, only two of eight, Oh, five from three. Like that's not a typical first team all American game. You needed somebody to rebound and give you that spurt of offense man was Remy able to do that. And he struggled with injury. He's been in, he's been in uh, the first, first class of Bill Self's doghouse for a good amount of time, especially towards the beginning of the year, trying to reverse engineer him and get him to play differently. But his spurtability, his speed with the ball, his, he hit some tough shots whenever they were struggling. And without him, I mean, it, it could have gotten dicey, but here's the thing about Providence. It's hard to call it luck, but there have been times this season where they've struggled to score. And that's when Bynum has been their version of Remy Martin. Like that's kind of these two teams, when you put them side by side, player for player, they actually matched up really, really well. I expected this game to be close because you got Justin Manaya, Ochai Abaju, who, by the way, Justin Manaya defended his butt off tonight. That guy can really guard. I don't know if you guys played South Carolina while he was their coach or not, but that dude, he can sit down and get in a stance. He is really impressive on that end of the floor. It's a Kansas team, and, and Josh has had some big-time guards. Jose Alvarado is one of my favorite players to have ever played in the league. Uh, having that guard who can take over a game, it changes things. Well, yeah, and and right now, um, T.O., Kansas, you know, you could, they might, you know, they're only the number one seed remaining. So um, you mm-hmm. would say just by that, I mean, they're the they're the favorite to to win it all. But you know, I are they the best team of the of the ones remaining? I mean, of the remaining teams, who's to say? Um, uh, it'll be interesting in the Elite Eight game on Sunday versus Miami because of Charlie Moore. I think Charlie mm-hmm. Moore, because he played at Kansas, it's in Chicago, you know, it, it's in Chicago um, uh, and where Charlie Moore is from. So he's going to have a real chip on his shoulder in that game. So that will be interesting. But, you know, look, how the game has changed because, as you said, like Remy Martin, the game he had, well, he's a transfer from Arizona State. And without the transfer portal, Kansas might not have, you know, would not have had them, if that made sense. So, so um, it, the portal can help you and it can hurt you because mm-hmm. you can lose your best players. Because would Remy, I mean, Arizona State would be better with Remy Martin, but because of the portal, it allows you to, 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 to leave. And, and obviously that doesn't help Arizona State, but it helps Kansas. And, and now Kansas is playing in the Elite Eight. And that's just how the game has changed. Um, with this portal and so you look at some different teams still remaining here um, I mean Brady Mannix a portal kid 
Mm -hmm. uh, Charlie Moore from Miami is a portal kid. You know, I mean, Cam Augusti. Cam Augusti. Well, and, but at that time, yeah, I think he had actually sit out. He was a transfer. Mm -hmm. yeah, he had to sit yeah, out. Yeah, he he was. He came in before the portal was was actually alive. So, um, you know, you look around and and how the portal has changed. You look at Iowa State. They get to the Sweet Sixteen. Look at Providence. You know, and so so I say all that to say on Kansas, I think they're really good. They're obviously very well coached and uh, they have a realistic shot, um, uh, you know, to win the national championship. However, I think Miami's going to is a tough game. They're a tough out. They've got those guards. They're an older team. They're a veteran team. Uh, they're experienced. Um, and I know we could probably do a whole nother show about the portal, but I think it's just showed you that the impact the portal has made in college basketball for the remaining teams, for all teams. And, and that might be the MVP is the portal for some of these teams and how much that's changed, you know, literally have changed college basketball and, and, and it's, and it's not going backwards. That's going to, how it's going to be moving forward. Let me ask you this coach, because since we're on the subject of the portal, we'll get to Miami and all that in a second, but how much is it if you take a, a, a senior transfer, a grad transfer, like how much is it, am I going to reverse engineer what he's already been taught? Or do you take him in and you're like, well, I have to coach exactly what he is right now. And I just got to get out what I can out of him because there's not a whole lot I can do with him over the course of one year. Right. Well, you know, for I'll give an example, like Charlie Moore, I signed Charlie at Memphis and um, that's how long he's been in college. When I was head coach at Memphis, I signed him. He was coming to Memphis. Um, and so a guy like himself, uh, a guy like Remy Martin, these guys are older guys. And so, yes, you're not going to, you know, the, the coach is going to be who the coach is. You're going to make some adjustments, maybe offensively or defensively. But the difference is, is the young man, the player, and you know this, T.O., coming in as an 18-year-old, compared to when you were a senior or even a fifth year senior or a sixth year senior for some of these guys, it's, it's a totally different mentality. You just, you understand things differently. You, it, you're, you, you, you just have a different way about you. You're older. You're, you're, you're just tougher. You, you get it more, you know, things don't bother you as much. And so um, I just think the understanding of an older player, and that's why everyone's trying to get old and stay old. It doesn't mean they're going to be NBA players, but it, it means you have a better shot of winning college games. And yeah. so I don't think the coach has to adjust as much. I just think the player that's older, and you know this too, if you were an older guy coming into another school and, and playing at a, you know, older, you would just have a better feel of it and knowing what you're going into. And it wouldn't be, you know, the first opening, the, the lifting and the shell drill and everything else wouldn't be new to you. And you would understand it. And, um, and I just think you see some of these teams really, you know, getting the benefits of having a lot of older guys other than Duke, who's, who's young, but I mean, even Arkansas, I mean, how many transfers do they have, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, it's just, it's just one of those things. And I think that's the way the basketball, the way the game is moving towards. So let's dissect this Memphis team a little bit. You said it, Josh, you had Charlie Moore lined up to come play for you at Memphis decades ago at this point. T.O., I was with you in Philly just last week, and you were breaking down the way Miami blitzes ball screens, the way they kind of try to throw some, I, I think Randolph Childress, our colleague, called it, quote-unquote, gimmicky-type pressures defensively. 
Did you say uh, well, me- did you did you mean Miami or did you say me- you said Memphis? I mean, you- Miami, sorry. Okay, okay, yep, sorry. Miami. I just wanted to make sure uh, we we're on the same. Yeah, page yeah, we're mo- we're moving to Miami here. Uh, do they do they stand a chance against Kansas? Let's call it what it is. This is a Kansas team who is, is pretty elite as far as ta- talent goes. And if you want to flip the Providence luck conversation, there's an argument to be made that Kansas sort of inherited that luck with this path in this tournament. They haven't played. Stop top- it. Well, hear Stop me out, it, Greg. You know? Greg, hear stop it. Hear me out. Look, hey, here, here's my thing. The reason Miami won today, and it's because a lot of these great defensive teams throughout the country who are ranked high in Kimpom and they're ranked high in all these different metrics, they're great team defenders. Here's where Miami throws you a loop because they're a low assist team, but they don't turn the ball over, and they got three dudes who can create their own buckets. Like you get Cam Augusti, he can score. And they're not a team that today they pass the ball a lot better, ended up with 21 assists, but it hasn't always been the case. Like Isaiah Wong's a bucket getter. He gets to his right hand off a pick and roll. Josh knows you can forget it. Like that dude's going to score. Cam Augusti has emerged. He's been healthy over the last two seasons. We haven't really gotten a fully healthy Cam Augusti. He's a guy who can create himself on his own. Charlie Moore has just picked his spots, been really, really good, picked his spots, got it to his scores and gotten out. Sam Wardenberg is kind of the unsung hero here because at the five position, he can shoot it. So you're literally pulling everybody out away from the bucket. You're giving it to some playmakers who can make plays on their own. And Iowa State had to guard one-on-one. That's hard because they were great team defenders. You have to be great individual defenders. And a lot of college teams have won maybe two defensive stoppers. You better have three. And Kansas has that shot, but Miami has a bunch of guys who could just create. Isaiah Wong hits so many difficult shots. Well, and this was your pick, T.O., to be fair. I think you I were the, o- the only man on the face of the earth that I heard that publicly said Miami was going to make the Elite Eight pre-tournament. So I also had Kentucky here. winning the national championship, so let's just be clear here. Let's <laughs> ups just be and clear. Downs. Ups and downs. Josh, what do you make of this matchup? What, what's Miami got to do to beat Kansas? Well, look, I mean, um, you know, as T.O. said, I mean, Miami – if you when you play Miami, you they've got multiple guys who can go get a bucket. The, and and I always like to say they're a team that can score in late shot clock, mm-hmm. like like they can they get they can score early in transition and stuff. But you know there's not a lot of teams in college basketball that are really good when there's late clock and you what do you, and you see what happens? There's a bad shot and you're just kind of that and it's a and you're everyone and it and it really ends up being a turnover in the other direction and because it's not a good shot. Miami is one of those teams that actually thrive in late shot clock because they've got multiple guys who can just ISO you and go get a bucket. And so, um, as Tio said, you know, you get, you get Wong going to his right and you can do all the scouting you want and say, Hey, force him left and don't let him go here. It's, it's just, it's yeah. Every team has played him tries to do that, you know, or every team says to do they're, they're a hard team to play against because of their perimeter scoring. And um, I think they're, they're, they're really good defensively this year by forcing teams into turnovers. And, um, and they're not real big, but they space the floor. And the reason they've been able to get to this point, I haven't seen the box score from today, but the first two games, they only had seven turnovers. So I don't know what they had today. So when you are, when you are not turning that thing over, and you're getting shots like they get shots with their perimeter guys, they become hard to beat. And I don't know if you had that there, Greg, if they're turned. Yeah. Which, they, had, they, turned had, they had 14 tonight, but they turned yeah. Iowa State over 18 times. They turned them over 18 times. So they had 14 tonight. But so I think that's going to be a key because they, they are really good at turning teams over. So I think that will be the key versus Kansas. 
is 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 the turnover game because whoever's getting more shots between the two is going to end up winning the game because both are capable. They got guys that can go get buckets. And uh, I think whoever gets more shot attempts or less turnovers is going to have the better chance to win. I think it's going to be a really good basketball game on, on Sunday night. All right. You just heard the in-depth breakdown of Miami against Kansas coming up. We're going to give you our picks for every single elite eight game, rapid fire style on the field of 68 after dark. Clear for 90. All right, real quick, we got a, a, a quick friend that we need to call out here, uh, and that would be the good folks at Honey, T.O. and Josh. Need that, uh, need that. Today's episode of After Dark is sponsored by Honey, the easiest way to save money when shopping on your phone or your computer. Have you ever been in this spot? You're shopping for something online. You get to checkout, and when it asks you for a promo code, you start Googling frantically, trying to find a way to save some money. Well, thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past because Honey is the free tool that scours the internet for you and finds the one that best fits your cart. Here's how it works. You're shopping, you check out, the Honey button pops up, you click apply coupons, you wait a few seconds, you watch the price you pay go down. I'm not gonna lie to you folks, tonight, as soon as St. Peter's beat Purdue, I was frantically Googling, trying to find the cheapest Doug Eddard jersey that I could possibly find. <laughs> Honey made it easy. They brought that price down, and I'm just hoping it gets here by the time I have to leave for the Final Four. So if you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out. By getting it, you'll do yourself a solid, and you'll support this very show. I would never recommend something that I don't use. You can get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash marchmadness. That's joinhoney.com slash marchmadness. Dagan, anything great from the chat we need to get to before the afters? Five seconds. Nope. We've got five seconds. <laughs> Two, one. It's the field of 68 after dark. We've got six minutes left, gentlemen. That means you're on the clock. We're going rapid fire mode. We're going game by game. We're making predictions for the round of the Elite Eight that kicks off tomorrow. Let's start at the top of the bracket. We've got Duke against Arkansas, the must bust. T.O. Who you got? The way Duke played, I, th I don't think they missed a shot in the last nine minutes. And those guys, plus Jeremy Roach playing the way he is, he's going to need to play well because Arkansas can turn up the pressure defensively. Give me Duke because of that elite talent level. And they can really score it whenever they're locked in. I got my notebook here, T.O. Just want to, I'm making a tally don't for how many me. teams you pick here. I just want to make a note here. <laughs> All right, uh, Josh, who you got? You got Duke or you got Arkansas? Uh, you know what? I'm going Duke. I, I'm with you. I would love to, as good as I think Arkansas is, and, and, and you know, maybe my gut tells me Arkansas might pull it off. I, I, I really, I'm, in my heart, I'm going with Duke. Uh, I, think, I think the storyline of Coach K getting to the Final Four I think it's going to happen. It's going to be pulled through, and I could see uh, another week extended for Coach K. I see Duke uh, making it to uh, to New Orleans. Because that's all we need, Coach, is more Coach K stories. That's all we need right now. Sorry, you're not he's, saying he's, that. I am. He's won tw over 1,200 games. Yeah, I, I, he, he's, earned, he's earned is the way I look at it. Yeah. It, it seems like <laughs> destiny at this point. I'll make it a clean sweep. I'll take the Blue Devils uh, as well. All right, in the game right below that, I alluded to it earlier, but we could be looking – at North Carolina Duke in the final four Carolina has to get past the Peacocks though. It won't be national Peacock day. Like it was tonight on Sunday when these two teams play, 
Can St. Peter's pull it again? Can they do it, Josh, do you think? I think St. Peter's can really give North Carolina uh, a, a run. And I think they're going to, I think they're going to stress North Carolina out, but I just, and, and it's going to be a really good game back and forth. But I just think in the end, North Carolina is just their starting five, their size, their guard play, um, you know, their shot making ability, manic making threes. I just think that's going to put them over the hump them as well will be in new Orleans uh, for the final four. That would be nuts, but here's, here's what scares me about Carolina playing St. Peter's is they're going to be able to run a lot of the same stuff that they ran against Purdue's fives because Baycott does, isn't entirely comfortable out there on the perimeter. Like, so they're going to be able to run some of those flare depends and all those things and then get Baycott in some precarious situations. I do think that Baycott has a little bit more nasty to them. So I don't think those 50, 50 balls are going to go as much, in the way of St. Peter's as Purdue let that happen today. I think Carolina's going to win. It's another clean sweep. And again, another tally for TO's ACC teams here, 2-0. Uh, yeah, look, keep, keep, keep count. <laughs> we will. We'll see. If you, well, you love Miami. We'll you got to let me, you got to let me flourish, baby. You got to let me flourish. You guys have been on me all year. Here, here I am winning. Well, the problem is right now we don't have any Big East versus ACC because the people tell me you're a Big East guy too, Tio. We'll maybe that comes in the Final Four. We'll see when we get there. Uh, I'll go Tar Heels as well. ACC, ACC on the left side of the bracket. That's crazy. Congratulations, gentlemen. Uh, let's move to the right side of the bracket, though. Uh, we'll we'll start with the third ACC team: Miami, Kansas. We just broke down the matchup. Are either of you going to pick the Hurricanes to pull the upset, Tio? Oh, you're going to go to meet on that one. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to say no, because I think as good as Larinaga has been, as good as those guard as guards have been, Ochai Abaji, he's not going to go two of eight again. Remy Martin's playing full of confidence. He's going to bring you some spurts of energy off the bench. He can score in bunches. I love the way he's playing. This team's starting to get it together. If they shoot it better, they shouldn't have a problem. But like Coach said, turnover battle is going to be the key. Give me Kansas, because I just think Bill Self's just going to figure out a way. Josh. Yeah, I, I, I agree with, with uh, T.O. there that I just think Kansas is going to end up pulling it out. As much as I would love to see Miami get to the Final Four and have three teams in there, uh, I just think Kansas is going to find a way to get it done. Um, they're really good. I think they're playing well right now, and um, it would be hard for them to get beat in this game. Miami will give them a run, but in the end, Kansas will pull it out. All right, you ready for this, gentlemen? I'm going with the Hurricanes. I'm going Ooh, with like it. Miami. I'm doing it. Okay. I'm, I'm a skeptic of this Kansas team. I really am. This is the number. When I said the, the lucky run like Providence for them, they're going to play their fourth game in this tournament. And none of those four teams are top 30 teams in the country on Ken Pop. They didn't have to play four games in a row in the big 12, the entirety of the conference season without running into a top 30 team. Like this has flipped and it's, it's been a breath of fresh air for them a little bit. No offense to Providence. Cause I love Providence. I'm the biggest prior guy. There is that team won me a lot of money at bet rivers this year, but <laughs> I, I like the way Providence is playing. They got some swagger and I think Kansas is vulnerable. So I'll take the hurricanes. We've got less than a minute left. Actually, we've got 20 seconds left. So one word, Houston, Arizona, who wins T.O. Oh, one word. Yeah, one word. Villanova. J Josh. I want to go uh, Villanova. I'm taking Houston. We're split on that one as well. All right. This was the field of 68 after dark. Stick around for the afters. Greg Waddell, Josh Pastner, Terrence Oglesby. Thanks for watching.
we're clear. Hey, I, I got to hear that we got to have an extended conversation on Houston. We do. We do. Like, I, like before we get to more questions, coach, I got to, I, is there a team that makes it harder to do anything than Houston right now? And, and, and how, and Kelvin Sampson might be the best coach in all of college basketball. I right. Mean, I mean, he, they lost their two best players. I mean, it's just the way they rebound their toughness. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, there, there's, there, there, their trajectory. I mean, if he, as long as he continues to stay there, I mean, they're, they're just, they're a force to be reckoned with. It, it's unbelievable. I, I yeah. going into that Illinois game, I was like, you know, Illinois can throw it all over the place. Like they're throwing it in the seventh row where they're throwing oops and it's beautiful. Like they're million, but like they could not run anything. And Houston makes everything hard. You can't pass it. You can't cut to the basket without getting chucked. They did it against Every Arizona. Rebound. Arizona oh. was the same way. They couldn't get, they, they, they couldn't get in rhythm. I mean, Houston just took him out of everything. Yeah. What, what he's done is nothing short of amazing. Now yeah. it's between him and Ed Cooley for me, like for national coach of the year, because what, what he's done at Providence, who's never done it. Right. But like, man, Houston, what he's done without his two best players. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. There's a tenacity to the way they play mm -hmm. that just jumps off the screen, uh, which is why I actually think they're going to cause problems for Villanova and I'll rock with Houston. Uh, but Villanova doesn't have like Villanova doesn't have emotions. Like they're all a bunch of robots. Like, I don't know what Jay Wright does up there another great coach, uh, obviously, but like, I don't know what he does up there, but he must teach this, Josh. I noticed this when I went up to the big East tournament, if they don't like a foul call, they start clapping. They don't say a, a negative word to the officials. They don't say a negative word in the team huddle. Like as soon as they don't agree with something, they start clapping and cheering. And I thought it was like, and it was automatic. Like there was, they got down, I want to say 15 points to Providence or I can't remember. It was in the semifinal game and they just stayed the course. Like nothing happened. That's so hard to teach because somebody's always got an attitude. <laughs> if they end up, if they end up winning the national championship this year, I mean, that'd be their third title in six years. I mean, that's <sighs> insane. That's, that, that would be, you know, you'd have to, call, I mean, they're a blue blood. I mean, they're one of the best. I mean, that's not just a good run. That's a, highest level of the highest level of programs that's john I mean, they already are i mean but it's yeah it's yeah, exactly yeah. yeah and we've talked about how wide open of a season it is very real chance we get four blue bloods in the final yeah. four. duke carolina yeah. villanova uh, and kansas could be interesting Dagan, did, we get do we get questions Dagan? i feel like yeah. I, I i would ruin it every time we talk and then we we had to do the honey read like it was my fault that we didn't get any questions in <laughs> yes, i just I, i'm so questions. intrigued by what josh has to say that like i get fired up so go ahead <laughs> Yeah, we do have some questions talking about the game we we're just talking about. Uh, are Nova and Houston the two best cultures in the sport? Well, I mean, I'll I'll just jump in on what, and that's to to To's point about Villanova. I mean, I, I they're probably the only team in America that that like like To said that would even think about clapping during. You know, everyone else <laughs> is going to be arguing about a call, upset, showing facial expressions. You know, I, I think Villanova, you don't have the success that they have. And they're the most least talked about team in all of college. You don't even heard, don't even talked about them, about them this year. I mean, you never heard a peep about Villanova. They just keep winning and winning and winning. So I think the answer is yes. I think Houston, I mean, you don't do what you do in Houston without having that culture of toughness and tenacity and rebounding. And as, as Tio said about making you feel uncomfortable out there, I mean, 
without having that culture in place. And so I, I think that's a fair question. And I think the point is, to me, the answer is yes. Texas Tech may be involved in that conversation too. That's another good one. But I like those two. Houston, Nova, throw Texas Tech. In there. Yep. What we got, Dagan? Cool. All right. My man. Uh, I got to go I back. I a mustache from Dagan too, by the way. We need that. Thing. Oh, I already, I already talked to T.R. about it pregame. If, if St. Peter's is there, the, the stash is coming out. It's gotcha. going to be a, everybody in the field of 68 that has facial hair. I'm going to make it required because I'm going to be the boss now that they have to have a mustache. It's I've just, already got to wear a hot dog suit down yeah, there. Yeah, so we're just going to get completely crazy. So let's do it. Um, there was a question that was in here earlier. I'm going to see if I can remember it word for word because I'm not scrolling back to the chat to find it because it was a while ago at this point. But this question is for you, uh, Coach Pastner. Uh, somebody wants to know who is a team to look out for in the ACC next year, but you're not allowed to say Georgia Tech, unfortunately. That would be it. That would be a cop out. <laughs> no, I, there you go. No, that's good. I'll tell you who I'll tell you who's um, I think is going to be pretty good. Um, you know, because it, and it's Terrence's old team, Clemson. I mean, um, you know, just just on the fact alone of of um, uh, one is they've got PJ Hall, who's really good, really, really good. And they just had Tyson Hunter come back. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just that alone, PJ might be the best big in the league going into next season. And um, so I think Clemson is going to be a, a really good team. They got the majority of their guys back. Um, you know, you're again, not picking those, the, the, the normal blue blood teams. The other team I would say that assuming their guys are back that I think can make a deep run back to like a final four would be Virginia. You yeah. know, I mean, they, they could have their entire team back. Kia Clark could decide to come back for oh. uses COVID year. Yeah. So if they're all back, I, Virginia is a team that could like make a run for a, you know, another final four type of deal. But for a surprising team, that's maybe not, you know, as talked about as much, I think it would be Clemson. Yeah. I, I like that Virginia pick because it seemed like all year, like they were just, it, they seemed like they were a year away. Yeah. Like Reese Beekman has all the talent. Like that dude is blindingly fast and he's a great defender. And, and he's gotten he better. Can, yeah. He got really, he's really, really good. But it, at the beginning of the year, it was like, he's a year away. Yeah. Just wait for it. Like, just wait for it. And then who's the big kid? Caden Shedrick, a year yep. away. And now, like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're here now. As soon as, you know, we got a couple of weeks left, but, like, they're about to be really, really good. Another one I'd throw in there, Coach, uh, Earl Grant's recruiting his butt off up there at Boston College. And that's a team that, you know, they've struggled for some years now. And it, they, they've had a couple of players come through that program, but Earl's got them playing differently. He's got them playing extremely hard. The, he's He's – I talked to him earlier this season because I called a game with him at Raycom and he was like, you got to teach him winning stuff. And that's hard whenever you jump into something brand new. You know that just as well as anybody. Like, it's a hard thing to do. And plus, I think he's got three top 100 kids. I know rankings are rankings or whatever, but at the same time, Boston College hasn't usually been able to do that. And he's done a really good job. Done a really, really good job. And they, uh, they're, you're right, they're a good team. And he's, I mean, they were, they were the surprise in the league this year probably more so than Wake Forest. I mean, I think most people, yeah. if you ask, I mean, obviously Coach Forbes and Wake Forest had an incredible year, but if you ask, most people thought maybe Boston College would go through the year of not even winning a game in the league. You know, I mean, that was maybe the perception before the league, before the season started. So Coach Grant deserves a lot of credit, and they were tough and they were physical, um, you know, and their guards were good. I mean, they had tough physical guards. I mean, they didn't as you're talking about Houston, they don't, they didn't give you an inch on that perimeter there, the way they got after you defensively. Mm-hmm. They, they really gave you problems defensively. 
All right, Josh, we got a question from Joey in the chat here. He wants juicy stories from your 1997 Arizona squad. What do you got? Give us something. Well, you know, that it's been 25 years since we won the national championship. Um, uh, Joey, what I would tell Joey is uh, I have plenty of stories. Thank the good Lord that there was no cell phones or social media at the time, <laughs> you know? So um, uh, no, I mean, it was, it's a good group of guys. You know, what was interesting in that team, you know, uh, we beat three number one seeds, Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky, three winningest programs were the only team to ever went beat three number one seeds, win the national championship, only team to ever do that. You know, on that team, we had, you know, obviously after the fact, you had Michael Bibby, second, you know, second pick in the draft, Michael Dickerson, you know, a lottery pick, Jason Terry, lottery pick, Miles Simon, who was the most outstanding player, was a second round pick. So we had really good players. What was interesting is the very next year in 1998, we had the entire team back and we were the best team in the country by far, hands down. We, had, we were, we were, should have repeated. And, it, and again, shows you why, how hard this is. And we played Utah in the elite eight and coach Majerus. We made coach Majerus famous on that because he played the triangle in two left Michael Dickerson open and Jason Terry open and they couldn't make shots. They, they were just, they, we were missing like crazy and Utah ended up winning the game and, you know, and stopped our, our chance to go to two and a win back to back. But uh, yeah, no, those guys are great guys. They're still my dear friends. And because they're my dear friends, those juicy stories got to remain in the, in the sealed closed <laughs> box. Um, thank I'm just telling you, there's, it's really good that there was no cell phones nor social media around at that time. Hey, I got a question. I got a question. So I, I'm watching uh, online the other day and coach Orgeron is on with Dan Patrick and he talks about how he's recruiting uh, Peterson. And he's like, well, his dad was in jail. If he went to Oklahoma, like his dad could see him play. And then coach O was trying to get him transferred out to Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I don't know if you have a, one like that, but you're recru a recruiting story, something like that. Is there yeah. one that sticks out? Well, you know what, in, in recruiting, that's an interesting story. Um, um, you know, there, there, there's so many of them and, and we've tried to, you know, when you're recruiting and it's a little different now. Mm -hmm. um, um, but man, we would, I, I would, I would go, I would do things where I would go like literally, I knew when a kid was landing at an airport somewhere in, in for example, in Atlanta, when I was at the university of Arizona, I would fly to Atlanta, wait there, like stalk the kid out, like wait in the bathroom. And as he would be walking by, pop out and see me in the, Hey, and then, and then just pop out. He sees me. And he's like, what the, da, 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 da. and then, and then I'm, and then, and then I get back on a plane and head back to Arizona. I mean, little Holy. things like that. I was doing that all the time. I was crazy as a recruit. I was, you know, just trying to be, I was always trying to be um, uh, unique and different. And, and the kids thought I was crazy when I was doing That's that. That's awesome. I would be, I would be, I would go fly in to say a Lotus literally for five seconds and then hop on a plane and head back. I mean, I would, I, it was stuff like that. I was doing all the time. Um, and, but we got a lot of good players, so it, it, yeah. it worked itself out, you know? And, uh, um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've done stuff where I've been in a home visit and I'm saying, listen, at any time I'm boring you, here's the water gun to shoot me. You can shoot me with water anytime. So if, if you feel like I'm, I'm boring in the home visit, just pop me with water. Just hit me with the water gun. Here you go. And they, they're like, what? There's been times where I've tried to get the, uh, you know, I've, I've set up in the living room a little goal and try to do like 
two on two with the family to show them how we're going to play with their with the with the parents with the kid and i had the parents and the brother and sister and i'm saying okay set the screen over here cut back here <laughs> this is how we're playing you know with the little ball with the little so I, I, i've done stuff like that just to keep it lively that's awesome the first thing i thought of when you said you flew to atlanta for five second interaction was like holy recruiting budget yeah, that well, was- yeah, exactly. You know, but it was commercial. It was commercial. So I, it was all commercial, nothing private. It was all commercial. I was back in coach. I didn't get any first class. It was back in coach. But um, uh, that, yeah, that was so be. And back then there was no Wi Fi on the plane. So it was just a lot of reading and reading, just reading. You know, I, I have a chance to read a lot of books on the flying because I was flying all over the place all the time. That's a good one. That's incredible. That's good stuff. We got to we had to clip that one, Dagan. Yeah, that was That's that was time. that was my next question for you. So with that, I'll I'll let you guys do your three cheers, and we can uh, we can let Coach Coach go to bed. <laughs> we can do that. Uh, all right, I don't even know that we told Coach about this. Coach, we end every show with the three cheers. So uh, if you have a hypothetical beverage, that's fine. I've got a little uh, little seltzer here that I'll cheers to. So we'll go around the horn. You can pick a player, coach, anything you want. Really, it doesn't even have to necessarily be college basketball related. Uh, T.O., why don't you bat lead off for us here? I, I, I'm going to go ahead and take what I would imagine would be coaches and just go, to the ACC, baby. I'm tired of the slander. I'm tired of the nonsense. Like ACC, best conference in the country. What are we doing? What have we been talking about, America? What have we been talking about, Field 68? Enough is enough. we got three teams in the Elite Eight. I'm tired of the nonsense. Best conference in college basketball. Cheers to you guys and my water. Drink to that. Yeah. <laughs> For the record, that was mine. You stole mine. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in, though. I'm, this might be a first on the field of 68 after dark. I'm going to cheers to a losing team. I'm going to cheers to the Providence Friars, my yeah. Friars, my Air Friars, my favorite team to watch this entire season. I fell in love with this squad. I compared watching them play basketball to listening to a symphony. Every single game was art. There were ups, there were downs. It made no sense ever, but it was the most enjoyment I got out of college basketball this season. And yet again, even on a night where they could not hit the side of a barn, they battled their way back. They tied the game against one of the best teams in the country in the Kansas Jayhawks. They just couldn't get across the finish line, but they covered. Good teams win, great teams cover. To the Providence Friars, to Ed Cooley, I loved you this year. And I'll do an imaginary one. I'll have imaginary lemonade uh, right here. And, and uh, uh, my cheers goes to, and, and that was a great one by T.O. So uh, I, I'm 100% with you. Uh, but I'll, be a, I'll, I'll go to a cheers to, you know, college basketball being back with fans, the tournament, you know, kind of the, the, the activity. I know everyone's excited to go back to the Final Four and, and be in person and, and, and the – the atmosphere and for even, you know, for even for like myself, you know, not being in the tournament this year, just watching it all and being part of it. And, and even as a fan, I mean, just for everything. So glad that that's kind of back to normal and cheers to that, that uh, uh, that stays for the remainder of our, of our lifetime. And cheers to you, Josh Pastner, for a great debut on the field of six. This was awesome. Dark. You did a great job. It was a pleasure being on air with you. I can tell that our chat loved it as well. We'll have to do everything we can to drag you back on here whenever the opportunity presents itself. Uh, So thank you for being here, T.O. Always a pleasure as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate you. Please, again, like and subscribe to everything in the field of 68. 
is doing. We will be back tomorrow night, I believe at 11 p.m. Eastern, right after the conclusion of the second game tomorrow night. And we will see you there on the Field of 68 After Dark.